0: Hi there. Welcome back to the Spoken D podcast with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. Uh, Be sure and like or subscribe or give us comments. We would love to have those. And I think, Matt, last time we sort of talked about a series about video gaming. And uh, after we sort of thought about it, we might have uh, talked about that enough. So we thought uh, as we move into the end of this year... Of 2022 and moving to 2023 we'll talk on some topics that have more to directly do with uh, behavioral health mental health and also some treatment options as we go along but you know the first big thing with the pandemic as it hit is telehealth versus in-person visits if we've just looked over the course of the pandemic you know when the pandemic hit everything just overnight switched to telehealth it's interesting because um, with elevation who we both work for, we uh, were one of the largest on that network, in ba- even back in 2015. Uh, and then over time, we scaled back a little bit. But when the pandemic hit, uh, that just, everybody went to that overnight because you, you had to. You couldn't see people in person. And now if you look at the latest numbers over uh, regarding telehealth, you see that other specialties are going back to a higher percentage of in-person versus telehealth, and that's growing quarter by quarter. Um, however, behavioral health has stayed very high in the telehealth realm. And uh, we're here to talk about is that good or bad, or are there pros or cons? And I think there's some things on both sides of the ledger there. We still do both. There's some companies, quite a few companies actually, that have uh, popped up, run by business people, who are pure telehealth play companies. They were around before, but they've markedly expanded, and it seems like everybody and their brother or sister are trying to jump into that pond. And uh, then you have various things written, well, telehealth for behavioral health might be just as good as... In person, I have my own thoughts about that. You probably do too, but uh, I think that are good things to talk about, and both for um, you know, as clinicians and uh, uh, also as people seeking health across those different platforms. You know what what could be the differences? So maybe you have some
1: thoughts. Yeah, I think to, to j- just get it out there to start with, we're not advocating for or against one or the other. Right. We, we have our thoughts on maybe which one is is better or more beneficial, but we're not saying either one should be done away with.
0: No, I think well I think, will you truly believe, Ashley, in that it's fantastic that both options are available? Uh, it really comes down to um, how much of one should be done versus the other. Is one always better than the other one, equal and that's where sort of the debate comes up. And we're here to bring up, uh, yes, we might have our own feelings and stuff, and you, some of those might come across, but we're really here to talk about the topic. You know, interestingly, in uh, Nebraska, there's uh, at least one of the insurance companies who is drastically scaled back, well, not scaled back, but paying less uh, for in, for telehealth visits in the physical health area. Um mm-hmm. Behavioral health has parity in Nebraska, mm-hmm. so uh, that saves behavioral health on that realm. But there's, uh, there's those side of things. But we're really more, um, in this episode, we'd like to talk about care delivery, um, the broadness of care, the options, uh, what's good for different people, uh, different diagnoses. A different severity of conditions. I think those things are some of the things that are taken into consideration. And there's also, uh, maybe from the clinicians and a business standpoint, uh, sometimes it's just easier for folks to run a pure telehealth play, mm-hmm. uh, for v- various reasons. But, uh, it's really getting into more of, yeah, what's best for the patient.
1: Yeah. So what's best for, for the patient, right? Uh, I think generally what's best for the patient is what is going to lead to the best outcomes, right? So <laughs> if everyone can agree to that, uh, what we're trying to do f- for patients on an individual basis is going to be what's best in their care. That's why it's so hard to put a blanket statement on XYZ's best because individual care varies patient to patient, right?
0: I'm mis- Bringing this up for our help because we have to talk about this in another episode <laughs> is outcomes. What mm-hmm. you said, what is best for outcomes? Uh, that is a broad. Oh yeah. If what does wanna, outcomes mean? If you want to get us started on outcomes, so uh, let's let's, let's, save, let's save that for another episode, but uh, folks, that is a yeah.
1: whole another so, so, way of thinking. So telehealth specific, right? Um Let's start with what most people don't understand, maybe. Okay. All right. So. As a non-provider, right, more of a patient, if I look at mental health, I go, okay, well, I talk to my provider, they look at me in the face, video screen versus in-person care doesn't change. Why do I have to come in-person? And I would venture to say that the majority of people don't think that there's a difference in what is How they're being evaluated, what can be evaluated, how their treatment plans may change because they think the exact same thing happens virtual or in person. So being a provider, is it the exact same experience, exact same information you're getting regardless of in person versus virtual? Well, let's
0: just take the telehealth setup.
1: Usually. I mean, not mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, the nice thing is uh, people, for the most part, are very comfortable with uh, the smartphone technology, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the telehealth visits actually happen over people on their side using smartphones. They, some of the folks are at laptops, um, mm-hmm. you know, iPads, yeah. those types
1: of things, but a lot of them are... Uh, Using sort of their smartphone. Going through HIPAA-compliant software, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's, a sure whole, we, that's a we whole different that thing. that in so no, there's no misunderstanding. But, yes, they run it on their smartphones or, or laptops. When
0: you are doing it correctly as a business, you're using HIPAA-compliant software. Mm-hmm. So we want to get in that type of thing. We can do <laughs> another episode. So you have that. So uh, do you believe – so we're talking about Let's. – we're focused on behavioral health specifically now. So if you are going to be doing a, a patient appointment with mm-hmm. me over telehealth, I'm sitting over here and most likely I have a screen in front of me because I have to do typing and or talking mm-hmm. to something and I have to look at multiple screens your information. So um where is your camera pointed? With you being the patient, what what am I able to see over the camera? At best,
1: probably uh I want the full- eight full facial structure right i mean may just get up my nostrils depending on the angle but well i mean <laughs> ideally you... <laughs> it'd be <laughs> uh, a, a front facing looking directly on you but probably shoulders up is yeah most so
0: what i would ask people just uh as we walk as you watch this video because this video is different than telehealth
1: no, this vi- ours is far enough back that you're getting more of a full body Yeah. Picture. So
0: as you're talking to me, what am I able to see besides your nostrils, (laughs) your face, um, your smile, whether it's sad, what your eyes are doing, Mm -hmm. what your forehead's doing? So what other information am I able to gather just by really not even asking you questions, but just gather in my
1: sensory database as we go through this? Yeah. Well, you get the the nonverbal communication, which people say is ninety percent of communication sometimes, right? I get some nonverbal when if I just see right. your face. So you get my hands, you get my legs, you get am I twitching? Am mm-hmm. I am I shaking my leg? Am I clenching my fist? Am mm-hmm. I uh, constantly scratching a certain area? Am I shifting in my chair? Um, so over
0: telehealth I get at most twenty percent of your body structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, in person, I not only get 100% of your body structure, but often I get you getting up and down out of a chair. I see you moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, walking to the room. Room. So uh, a variety of things. I also get to see, uh, you know, what interests you about the room. I get to see what you're looking at Mm -hmm. Um, when you're looking past the screen over a, a telehealth I don't get to see necessarily what you're looking at. In fact, I don't even get to see what documents you're working on your screen (laughs) as I'm talking to you. Playing the video game while we're talking. So I gather I get a lot more information in that perspective. And also that type of information will often lead me to asking some additional questions.
1: But if I'm coming for depression, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, yeah, I'm still down. I'm not motivated. Me shaking my leg has nothing to do with me being depressed. Why do you need to see it?
0: Yeah, so right? to you, just coming in, yeah. it
1: doesn't, right? This is where I think there's a gap, right? Yeah. We assume mental health, it's all up here. Why do I need to see the rest of of the body or the patient's movements or interactions or all that?
0: So what do we, we, we've talked about this in previous episodes, so this is pretty interesting. So to me, it's pretty interesting, <laughs> is... Uh, Tell me about a public persona versus private persona. You know when somebody's going out in public to mm-hmm. present themselves to others like at work versus how you feel if you're depressed yeah. um, inside. So what do you try to do when you go to work or go around other people?
1: Um, well, I mean we know this from the pandemic, right uh-huh. uh, I quit wearing pants. If I had video conference meeting, you know, I just got to put on a nice shirt. No one needs to see okay. me from the waist down. So how I put myself together, right? How I groom myself, how I personal hygiene, uh, all, all that comes into play of ex- leaving the house versus just staying home, right? Okay, so if you're in your house and you're not seeing anybody,
0: yeah, you, you might not be taking care of yourself too well. Yeah, I might but now not you have brush a, my teeth to that day. Or now whatever. you have an appointment <laughs> to come in and see your per- a provider mm-hmm. you have to come all the way in let's get you to the telehealth Yep. what are you gonna do to get ready for telehealth
1: um probably put a shirt on okay <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> hopefully maybe shower at least groom my hair okay um make sure i have nothing in my teeth okay and uh Make sure I'm sitting at a at a location in my house that I'm okay with you seeing. Okay,
0: so and we're not here to overgeneralize or to hit on TV folks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna get TV ready. Yeah, you're gonna dress. You know, you might have your underwear. You know, just your shorts on and pajamas mm-hmm. on and flip flops on. Which a lot of remote workers do that too, right? But you get yourself enough ready. That you can present to me, mm-hmm. and the other part about so the public versus the private persona. What I was getting at, if somebody's very depressed, and but they're still trying to work, still be around other folks. Uh, to the majority of people, they don't want to show that depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do we read about folks who have committed suicide and the people going, "Oh my gosh!" Yesterday they, they were just yeah, at a party. Or I might see this morning, night right? Night. Yeah, and. Um, So they're putting on their their best effort. So uh, all of a sudden, and this helps if I've known you a little bit, because I get better at it too as a provider if I've known you, that uh, uh, all of a sudden some of these depressive signs or symptoms, things like ADHD, your mood, come out in physical manifestations because you got them locked up there. they got to run out somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, all of a sudden, you fill out a rating scale like a PHQ-9, which is used in depression, and say I've known you for a while. Mm-hmm. So I've known you depressed and not depressed. And you come in, and you fill out the scale, which maybe you've done remotely. And you have it scored that uh, just very mild depression. And you sit down in the chair, and we've talked. And I go, oh, no, we don't have just mild depression. I have this person who's usually not only animated, facially but I mean they're animated with their body and very engaged and for it. and you're sitting there like a stone or your legs are going up and down you know it's coming out somehow so I get those added features that I'm able then to probe a little further Mm -hmm. because also once you we get to know each other in treatment you also become more comfortable with me so I say how are you doing you say I'm doing fine Because that's what you're supposed to say, right, (laughs) out there in public. And if it stops there, then we're not getting good outcomes. So I think uh, so. where telehealth is very helpful, you know, is people who are pretty darn stable. Mm -hmm. And they continue to be stable. And, hey, I need that check-in. But what can happen is uh, it's easy. Yep. I can do it from my office. I can do it, pull over and do it in the side of the road for my car. It doesn't really interrupt my day, which is great because then we get more access to behavioral health. Mm-hmm. However, it also leads to everything is okay. Because, you know, I might not be doing okay, but by gosh, by next time, I might. So I'm, you know. And I don't want you to feel bad as my providers yeah. either. So uh, that's a whole versus, another one again, right? Yes, I'm just going to tell you that I'm feeling good.
1: Yeah. So but, here's a a question because you talk, uh, you brought up something around comfort, and I remember you this being a thing years ago, and maybe it's not so much anymore. But the younger generation, right, almost lives behind screens, and communicating behind screens is doing their visits over telehealth. Maybe more beneficial because they're more comfortable and they open up more because they're in a medium that they're more comfortable engaging in. So I'll (laughs) I'll take us down a little path there again. Shouldn't it's a blanket statement, right? But
0: this is you know. So what I would ask you is uh, what what I I just like people to think about this. Was it a good idea when we decided not to treat not to teach writing in schools you know people are just doing phone technology anyway we should mm-hmm. just teach them the tap we don't need to do cursive writing anymore right you know why, why why do we do that so um that's changed a little bit i think for a lot of places but you know that was a thing so you have people who are uh, comfortable in a certain mode of communication mm-hmm. so the first question to ask as you look because uh, you you have a as adults, we're so responsible for help ha- helping the kids and adolescents develop skills that's going to help them as adults, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they're comfortable doing that when they go out in the real, out in the world to get jobs. As we currently live, uh, well, are they likely going to have to do any human interaction, or are they going to be able to do it all just? Video wise,
1: all right. Is it is it a good form of medium? Is one no, no, no. Question. I'm just saying. But what, currently, they're they're but, probably gonna have
0: to do some. Yeah. There are th- some things that really they would never have to interact yeah, certain, with anybody.
1: Certain jobs you could go into and rarely ever talk to. Anyone, yeah. So right? if I have somebody with marked social anxiety,
0: with as a as a kid, adolescent, which is really very common, people who have social anxiety think that they're the oh my gosh, I'm the only one. Why is everybody else able to communicate? And I can't. Folks is, and if you have, uh, you know, young uns at home, it's very, very common actually to feel mm-hmm. that way. Like oral communication class, having to stand up. So it might be a, a great way to do that initial connection. Cake they'll get on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can look away. So it's almost like they're talking third party, like they're an actor, right? Mm-hmm. They can talk. So, um, but the goal would be, for that person specifically to get them in the office so they have to learn to go through that un- being uncomfortable in that social engagement making eye contact mm-hmm. holding eye contact having a conversation when their minds are going blank you know so yes is it a tool mm-hmm. is it the only tool that you should be using in your toolbox no so if you have a platform that that's the only tool you have available you in your toolbox Mm -hmm.
1: it might not be the best option for that patient so last last point that I'm interested to get your thoughts on for this episode is the other thing I think maybe we even as uh, providers and uh, the provider team don't think about is when you're on telehealth your interaction with the patient is truly limited to the time you're talking to them Right, when when you jump into the we call it the room, but the virtual space, you talk to them once it once it ends, it's done. When they come into the office, we get a lot more information. Right, you're in the waiting room for a period of time. You had to interact with the front desk. Uh, were you on time? Were you not on time? What's your interaction like with the nurse? What's your interaction like with other patients? What? There's more information that comes outside of just your conversation with the patient. Um. How often does information you get of them just being in the office but not necessarily with you? Does that impact your decision making or uh, thoughts of care planning or anything outside of? Because you're missing that information if it's just right a virtual, right? Yeah. So I, what
0: I would liken it to a family, correct? If I have. Uh, if I'm bringing um, a patient's coming in to give me information about themselves, they have limited information. Personally, you're able to give me limited information about yourself. I mean, often that's what we go by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, if I ask your partner, your spouse, your mom, your dad, what is their perspective, they're going to have a little, either a slightly different take, it could be a markedly different take depending on your insight, and we can always talk about insight also, but. Uh, Um, so all those nuggets of information, sometimes they make no difference because really it's so consistent. The person's so consistent across Mm -hmm. the thing. Uh, but oftentimes they, they, they do add a significant flavor to what's going on with you and how we can help you and maybe some of the treatment options. And also, uh, you come back, you know, with either your best face on or you're not. You might have been told, you know, you might have been out there, over in the mm-hmm. corner, all by yourself, avoiding everybody, you know, trying to keep noise levels down. So it, it gives us a lot more information. Mm-hmm. So do we have cameras in the waiting room? No, that's not that's the <laughs> point of it. It's just that uh, the we're only as good as the information we get, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like uh, when I was in the military, living on base. And I had uh, one of the other military members living up the hill for me. And uh, I remember this one day he came down. He says, you know, I just, you know, sometimes I sit out on my porch. Go, oh, that's good. And he says, you know, I, you, I just have to ask you this question. Do you sit there and analyze me when you see me? I said, oh, well, re- <laughs> really? <laughs> you think that's what I have time? I, one, outside the job, I I want to do that or so it's just sort of interesting right Mm -hmm. you know so but um how you are across various specters of your life uh is is very very important in the behavioral health what we're doing with diagnosing treating Mm -hmm. because we're you know especially you know some say somebody is bipolar people don't tend to come in when they are super happy, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) manic, hypomanic. I mean, they're feeling on top of this. Other people might be sort of upset with them, but they're very happy. No, they come in when they're very depressed most of the time. And uh, if they've, especially if they're seeking help just on their own. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those times, if it's new, they have, it's just not in their sphere that one time they might've been too happy or for them being maybe too happy it's so normal that uh, when you ask, have you ever had these, well, no. I've mm-hmm. never been like that on the <laughs> other side of the spectrum. So, yes, that extra information is good. So there's a lot of good information and more for us to talk about. I can't ex- This is amazing to me how fast time flies by. But uh, thank you for tuning in. And, again, like, subscribe, add comments, and we'll see you next time on the Spoken D podcast.